And then Belshazzar was the next one. And uh, he didn't do so good because he took God's stuff lightly. <laughs> and uh, that's the whole writing on the wall. And, and uh, he died that night. Um, so then we get on to, to Darius. Now, Daniel has been in the kingdom. He has been trained in, uh, in, in Babylon. And he has risen um, in authority through that time. Because there was an excellent spirit within him, the Bible says. Now, at this time, Daniel is about 80 years old. Okay, He's been there for that period of time. And we're going to read Daniel chapter 6. And uh, Belshazzar's gone. Um, and verse, uh, verse 1, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, <laughs> that the satraps might give account to them. So, so um, the king has is, is, is set up his structure and, and Daniel's one of those three that were to be over um, the 120 that were to look after everything. This Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. (laughs) And the king gave thought of setting him over the whole realm. So he's distinguished himself to a point where the king's looking at the structure that he's got and thinking, oh, I might just give this a tweak because this one stands out above the rest. And you know, when... The Lord promotes. Just understand that the enemy is going to get upset. So the governors and satraps sought to find for some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, What? Uh, We shall not find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Do you notice what's happening in in our world at the minute? The very things that are the law of God, the very things that hold society together are being undermined. Going after the law of God. To the point where you know they've they've, they've passed the law that uh, in a certain area that um, you know if if um, if, a, if a person in in particularly in some sort of authority were to counsel or give um, somebody some help in a, a particular area um, that you know there's the potential of, of of ten years of jail. The law's there. God sits in the heavens and laughs. So can we. So these ones, it was jealousy. It was the enemy moved on these ones and we're going to get rid of this guy. How are we going to get rid of him? And they went to the king and said, Oh, Lord, king, live forever. You know, How about you write this law that says that anybody who's, who, who um, asks anything of anyone except you, for the next 30 days, we'll, we'll, we'll get rid of him. 
And the king, in his ignorance, thought, oh yeah, that sounds good. Signs the law, and away we go. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing, uh, writing was signed, he went home, this is verse 10, and in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. He was fully aware of the law that had been signed. He knew that people were after him. And that did not change anything that he did. Not one thing. And of course, uh, these people were there to catch him in the act. And they took that information before the king and said, look, this Daniel, he's broken the law and the law of the Medes and the Persians, once it was written, even the king, if the king signed the law, that was it. The law was in place, it couldn't be rescinded. And the king, when he heard these words, <laughs> was, greatly, <laughs> was greatly displeased with himself because he knew he'd been had. And he couldn't do a thing about it. <laughs> so the king gave the command that, that Daniel be brought and cast into the lion's dead. And the king was not happy about it. Verse 16. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he will <laughs> deliver you. That was his words to Daniel. And they brought the stone, put it over the, the mouth of the, the den. Lions are in there. And the king did not have a good night's sleep. In fact, it said he couldn't sleep. He could not sleep that night. He rose very early in the morning, went with haste to the lion's den. Verse 20. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice. <laughs> he was grieved. <laughs> Lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Ha! <laughs> now, Daniel wouldn't have seen all those really annoying um, quiz shows. Um, oh, I've just got very loud. Those annoying quiz shows, you know, where they ask the question. And there's this ridiculously long pause before they give the answer. Yeah. You think, what are you doing? Just, just answer the question. The question's been answered. The question. I don't think Daniel. I don't think Daniel would have done that. But the king would have been, you know, what's happening here? Then Daniel said to the king, "O king, <laughs> live forever. My God sent his angels." <laughs> and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. <laughs> How good. And here's the kicker. Verse 24. 
And the king gave command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel (laughs) and they cast them into the den, uh, into the den of lions, them, their children and their wives and the lions overpowered them and they broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. The ones that made the trap for Daniel came to their end in their own trap. You know, some people get upset with some of the stories in the Old Testament. I think, oh, how, how, how horrible is that? Well, it was for them. It was for the ones that had given themselves over to the influence of the enemy. Different time, different set of circumstances. They didn't have the access that we have from the cross. Daniel was a man of integrity who would not bow to a corrupt law. It's an excellent spirit in him. Any law opposing the will or edicts of God is corrupt. Don't care who it comes from. Don't care how pretty the packaging is. Any law that is, that is against God's will, his edicts, his word, is corrupt. Let's do another one, Esther. Now, look, if you haven't read Esther recently, you, you need to um, read the whole story. It is a great story. I'm just picking out uh, little bits, and I'm actually looking at um, Mordecai. Mordecai. Um, so, when you look at the, this, is the this is the same place, same same kingdom. Um, Daniel has passed on by this stage, and if you look at the the timeline, it, it's got to be about at least twenty years before between Daniel um, dying and and uh, and Esther um, being born, even. So, um, but same king, a couple of more kings down the down the track, and uh, we get to. Ahasuerus um, is now the king and you know we had that um, you'll have to read the whole story but um, Vashti's been um, vanished, Vashed um, from being queen and uh, and Esther becomes a queen great story there but Haman, sorry um, um, Mordecai Mordecai, whichever way you want to say it he is um, Esther's uncle Okay, and uh, he's at the king's gate. He's one of the king's servants. And there was a point there where there were a couple of the king's eunuchs that were, were, wanted to do harm to the king. Um, Mordecai heard about it and passed that information on. Um, and it was recorded in the, uh, in the, um, in the king's, king's books. After these things... Uh, This is chapter 3, verse 1. After these things, 
King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadetha, the Agat, Agagat, Ag, Ag, I'm going to gag on this one, Agagite, and advanced him and set him above all the princes who were above him, who were with him, sorry. So, just the name, Haman the Agag, Agagite. Can you remember King Agag? Uh, he was uh, king of the Amalekites in Saul's time. Saul was given the, the command by God, go and get rid of these people because they opposed God's people coming out of Egypt. And, you know, he spared Agag and, and, uh, and uh, Samuel um, put an end to, to him. But he, he must have had some... Um, uh, some offspring that, uh, that escaped because Haman was an Agagite, okay, and it's linked back to, to, uh, to there. He's a bad egg for a start, okay? This man is a bad egg. How often do we see bad eggs getting promoted in the world system? There are people in the world system who are holding places of authority, positions of power, and they are bad eggs, so, we're going to read um, from there. Verse 2. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman, for so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai, Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were within the gate, king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? Now it happened when they spoke to him daily and he would not listen to them that they told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's words would stand for Mordecai had told them he was a Jew. He was not going to bow to a man. It was interesting that, that the, the other servants heard what Mordecai said about his faith in God, and they say, okay, well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna dob you in and we'll just see once the, you know, Haman knows what your position is, whether you will, you know, pull back from, uh, from what you said. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay homage, Haman was filled with wrath. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, the people of Mordecai. So this fellow says, oh, I'm not only going to get rid of you because you're not going to bow to me, I'm going to get rid of the whole lot of you. And the enemy would like to do that, wouldn't he? He has always wanted to get rid of God's people. Too bad, so sad, not going to happen. So, you know, the, the, the story goes on a little bit about Esther and, uh, and Esther going in um, before the king and, and uh, all of that. Read the story. Read Esther. Go home and read Esther. But in chapter 5, verse 11... Um, Haman's just been to um, 
a banquet that Esther has, has asked him to come to. The king and Haman. Esther's got them to come to, uh, to a banquet. All good. And Haman's feeling pretty good about himself. And uh, he comes home and verse 11, Then Haman told them, uh, his friends, told them of his great riches, the multitude of his children, everything in which the king had promoted him and how he advanced above him above all the officials and servants of the king. So he's, he's saying, look, I've got all this stuff. Look how good, how good am I. This is great. Moreover, Haman said, besides Queen Esther invited no one but me to come in with the king to the banquet that she prepared. And tomorrow I am again invited by her along with the king. Yet, all this avails me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. <laughs> How strong is the influence of evil upon the heart of a, of a human being? You know, sometimes we think, oh, look, if, if I had all that, if I, if I was in a position of, of you know, I, I want, wanting for nothing... That would be enough. No, it wouldn't. Not if, not, if not if the enemy's directing it. It would never be enough. We have people in the world today. They could have anything, anything they wanted. Anything they wanted. Naturally. It's not enough. It's not enough. Why? Because there's an evil influence that is influencing those people to attack the people of God. But Haman's wife, verse 14, Then his wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, Let a gallows be made, 50 cubits high. And in the morning suggest to the king that Mordecai be hanged on it. And don't go merrily with the king to the banquet. And the thing pleased Haman, so he had the gallows made. I'm going to hang this fella. And you know, there was there was a law that he had had passed that had been sent out that on a particular date all the, the everybody was to kill all the Jews. That was another another part of it. But you're going to read the story so you'll know all that. And it didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't go the way it was planned. The king had a bad night's sleep. He couldn't sleep, so he said, Read something out of the out of the books of records for me. And they read about Mordecai, that he had actually saved the king by saying what these, uh, the, these two were going to do. And he said, well, the king said, well, what have we done for Mordecai? And, and they said, well, we haven't done anything for him yet. And he said, well, we've got to honour this man. So it just so happened that, that Haman was coming in fairly full of himself at the time where the king was thinking, what am I going to do? And, and, and the king said, what should we do for the, for the man that the king delights in? And Haman thought it was about him. And so Haman said, well, put him in your chariot and lead him through the, through the city and, and say, this is the man that the Lord delights in honouring. And the king said to Haman, that's what we'll do. So get the chariot ready, put Haman in there, and you lead the horse round through the city, saying, this is the, this is the man in whom the king delights. 
<laughs> he knew his goose was, was, was cooked right about then. And then, of course, they go into the next banquet and uh, he's, he's, Haman's not feeling good about the situation uh, at that point. And the king says to Esther, what, what can I do for you, my dear? And he said, and, and, and Esther says, save me and my people, we're going to be exterminated. And the king said, who would do such a thing? He said, this evil man, Haman. <laughs> There's only the three of them there. <laughs> and, uh, and it finishes off uh, a summary of the story in, in verse 9. Um, in verse 24, it says, Haman, the son of Hamadath, the Agagite, Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews had plotted the Jews against the Jews to annihilate them and to consume them and destroy them. But when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letter that this wicked plot which Haman had devised against the Jews should return on his own head and that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. So the very thing that Haman had constructed to get rid of Haman, sorry, to get rid of um, Mordecai, he and his family, his sons were hanged on that. It came back upon his own head. Mordecai was a man of integrity who would not bow to a man. Now there are a couple of good historical stories. And how God moved and how God turned the thing around so that what the enemy had devised was what the enemy fell by. Now in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, it says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. That's the influence. That's where the influence is coming from. It is a spiritual influence of evil. To have expression, to have expression, an evil spirit needs a host. It is correct. We do not fight against flesh and blood. We've got to see where it's coming from. But it will come through a person. Uh, let's read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter two. <clears throat> Paul saying, verse six. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. There's a little part in there. Um, we do not, uh, Ephesians 
the rulers of the darkness of this age, and this is talking about the rulers of this age. Now, those words, rulers, they are not the same word, okay? Um, the, that word rulers in Ephesians 6 is actually talking about um, spiritual um, uh, beings. Uh, the rulers in uh, this verse is talking about people who have authority. But there is certainly a, a, a link in that regard. Uh, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The enemy didn't know what God was doing with Jesus. He did not understand. He thought he had won. <laughs> he got a revelation. <laughs> he thought he had won. The rulers of this age would not have crucified the Lord of glory if they had have known the result. It was the enemy's defeat. One anointed human being was very difficult for the enemy to handle. Very, very difficult. What about millions? <laughs> it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And yeah, we'll quicken our mortal bodies. <laughs> Romans 8 verse 19 says, All creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. <laughs> and hell is going to run for cover. <laughs> now the enemy hates all of mankind because mankind is made in his image but he particularly hates the church. Because yeah. that's God's anointed. Yeah. The church carries the word of God. The Holy Spirit is in the midst of his church. And it is the Holy Spirit who restrains. You can read that in, in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7 to 12. It's talking about the spirit of lawlessness that will be at the end of the age and and we're there. There is a spirit of lawlessness that is rampant in, in, um, in our world. But it says that he who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now we can look at that as being the Holy Spirit and absolutely it is. And the Holy Spirit is in his church. So it's talking about when the church is taken out of the way. All hell breaks loose. The church is the only threat to the enemy having his own way. There's no, there's no natural institution structure on this planet that the enemy is concerned about. But he has many sleepless nights about the church. 
we've gone through a couple of years of the enemy doing everything that he can to shut down the church. He's not doing real good. Now, we can look at it naturally and, 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 you know, there's some churches that have stopped meeting and others that, you know, whatever, okay? And maybe it's just a sorting out. Maybe it's just seeing where, where, where people's hearts really are. And, and you know, that's, that's all fine. But, you know, God is establishing in, his, in his, his people who absolutely have given their hearts to him. He's establishing a strength and an integrity and, and, a, and, a, and a backbone that they will stand despite the opposition, no matter what the opposition is. And, uh, and the enemy is afraid. <laughs> I want to read um, Psalm 94 from the Passion Translation. I really enjoy this psalm. Lord God Almighty, you are the God who takes vengeance on your enemies. Hmm. It's time to, for you to punish evil. Let your rays of revelation light shine from your people and pierce the conscious, conscience of the wicked and punish them. It's time to arise as judge of all the earth. Arise to punish the proud with the penalty they deserve. How much longer will you sit back and watch the wicked triumph in their evil, boasting in all that is wrong. Listen to them bragging among themselves, big in their own eyes, all because of the crimes they've committed against your people. See how they, they're crushing those who love you, God, cruelly oppressing those who belong to you. Heartlessly, they murder the widows, the foreigners, and even the orphaned children. They say to themselves, the Lord doesn't see this. Their God, the God of Jacob, he doesn't even care. But you'd better watch out, you stupid fools. <laughs> you'd better wise up. Why would you act like God doesn't exist? Do you really think that God can't hear their cries? God isn't hard of hearing. He'll hear all their cries. God isn't blind. He who made the eye has superb vision. And he's watching all you do. Won't the God who knows all things know what you've done? The God who punishes nations will surely punish you. The Lord has fully examined every thought of man and found them all to be empty and futile. Lord Yah, there's such a blessing that comes when you teach us your word and your ways. Even the sting of your correction can be sweet. 
It rescues us from our days of trouble until you are ready to punish the wicked. For the Lord will never walk away from his cherished ones, nor would he forsake those ones who belong to him. Whenever you pronounce judgments, they reveal righteousness. All your devoted lovers will be pleased. Lord, who will protect me from these wicked ones? If you don't stand to defend me, who will? I have no one but you. I would have been killed so many times if you had not been there for me. Lord, when I screamed out, I'm doomed, your fiery love was stirred and you raced to my rescue. Whenever my busy thoughts were out of control, the soothing comfort of your presence calmed me down and overwhelmed me with delight. It's obvious to all you will have nothing to do with corrupt rulers who pass laws that empower evil and defeat what is right. For they gang up against the lovers of righteousness and condemn the innocent to death. But I know that all their evil plans will boomerang back onto them. Every plot they hatch will simply seal their own doom. For you, my God, will destroy them, giving them what they deserve. For you are my true tower of strength, my safe place, my hideout, and my shelter, true shelter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. It is appropriate to ask God to disperse vengeance. And trust his superior knowledge, wisdom and timing in doing so. You know, the height of crime is reached when rulers use forms of justice as masks for injustice. And God sees it all. Hallelujah. You know, in Acts chapter 4 and verse uh, 23, it, it, these spirits, they're the same spirits. The same spirits that were acting upon people in the Old Testament are the same spirits that are acting on, on, on people today. And it is a spirit of opposition to God. You know, in the start of the, of the New Testament church, you know, um, Peter and John going into the temple um, healed a particular man and, um, and there was a lot of fuss about the, the man who'd never walked before. And... Uh, and, and the, the, the rulers couldn't deny what had happened. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't get around what had happened. So all their, their result was that you know, when they got um, the disciples into, or the apostles into, um, into the court, they just forbid them to speak in the name, in that name, the name that healed the man. <laughs> How dumb can you get and still breathe? Um, so 
that was that was their that was their result. That was their you know do not speak in that name, and uh, so the, and then they let them go. And being let go, verse twenty three, they went to their own companions and reported to them all the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. That's what we're after. One accord. And said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them, who said by your servant David, you've said by your servant David, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his Christ. That's uh, Psalm 2. Read that one too. More homework. Verse 27. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. Those people had nothing in common. Pilate was a a Roman governor. The the, the Gentiles and the Jews, there was no coming together there. They They weren't in agreement other than the spirit that that evil spirit was influencing them all to be in agreement against God's anointed. Betcha they didn't stay friends for long. Verse 28, to do whatever your hand had purposed, determined before to be done. Verse 29, now, Lord, look at their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You don't back off. You do not back off. Because we've got a pretty good backstop and staying in the will of God. So, in all of this, what, what's our role? What's our role in this? What's our role in this? It's the Great Commission. It is the Great Commission. And you say, well, Tim, you've just been saying that there are, there are people influenced by, by, by evil. Yeah, yeah there, there are. Do you know who they are? You can look at it and you say, well, I think that one and that one and that one. It's, not, it's, it's actually not our, our place to judge. No. That's not our job. It's not our place to judge. You, you can have discernment and you might get a word of knowledge and if it's coming from him, all well, well and good. Um, you know, I've, I've got my own thoughts and who I won't see in heaven. But, but um, uh. that's... <laughs> uh, yeah. I... There is a verse that I have I've used. I think I've I've, spoke, I've said it in church, and I and I just want to, I just want to, um, if you've heard me say this, I just want to clear this up because I think I was wrong. Second um, Peter chapter three verse nine says, "God is not willing." Peter says, "God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life." And 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 I I know I've I've, I've said before. Um, you know, well, God is not willing that any should perish, and we know that people perish, so, you know, looks like God didn't have his way there. God's will will always be done. He will always have his, his way. 
He will always have his way. So what does, what does, that, actually, what does that actually mean? And I was reading um, Jesus' pr- prayer in, in John 17, and I just want to pick out three little, little parts. Um, John 17, and Jesus praying for his disciples. Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they kept your word. Verse 9. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. It might be that the any refers to the all who will believe. God knows who will believe. And yet that verse in, in, in Peter, um, you know, he, he was talking about God is not, not slack as some people think it's slackness. You know, a day to the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. You know, he's not slack concerning his coming, but he's not willing that any should perish. He's allowing enough time for all those who will be saved and he knows all those who will, time to make that decision before the end. Just think about this. A week before Judas's, uh, Judas betrayed Jesus, so a week out from Judas betraying Jesus, would anyone have picked him as being a devil? A week before Paul, Saul as he was then, encountered Jesus, would anyone have picked him as a saint? (laughs) We can't judge. We can do what we've been told to do and sow seed. Present the gospel. And God is going to move powerfully on that with signs and wonders. And those who will be saved will be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So be, be encouraged. You know, sometimes we are, if, you, if you're listening to, 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 to news, even, even stuff that isn't horribly tainted which you've got to search for. Um, if you're listening to a lot of stuff, it, it can be a little bit, you know, heavy, a little bit overwhelming. Yet, God says he's got it. He has got our back. The things that the enemy tries to destroy God's people with, he's going down by the method that he promotes. Hallelujah. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, you are the one. Lord, you are the one above all. And Lord, we just, we just thank you for the promises in your word. Lord, we thank you that, uh, that you would even, even use us in, in all the different ways that, that, and all the different ministries and all the different giftings and all, all the different things that you, you put into our life. And, and Father, we just, uh, we just submit ourselves to you in all of these things. Lord, you have, you have the big picture. You know all that will happen. You know everybody that uh, will accept you. And, and uh, Lord, we just ask you that you would lead us to be a part of, uh, of reaching all those people before the end. Uh, so, Father, we just thank you. We just, uh, we just know that, that uh, no fear lives here. Uh, Lord, that uh, you dispel fear. Uh, because, uh, because we're looking into your perfect love. So, Father, we just acknowledge you, we thank you, we glorify you, and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I don't know how you do the, the announcements after that. That's a lot to chew on, isn't it? It's so good. Um, it's good to have all those scriptures down if you've written them down because um, I think there's a lot of homework there for us to, to chew on it. Um, but so encouraging. Thank you, Tim. So encouraging because sometimes you can feel a bit buffeted around can't you? But um, when we get to see the big picture, how God sees it, um, we should be encouraged because we, we've been placed in this time in, um, you know, it wasn't a coincidence that God placed us at this time. And there's so many of the um, 